Gracias por sintonizar nuestro podcast. Te habla tu servidor, el Pastor Mario. Esperamos que este mensaje te anime, te desafíe y hable a tu corazón. Disfrútanos. Se siente dormido. If you fall asleep, Vicente is going to come tap you on the shoulder. But there's, we, we, we do what, what we call an A school and, and also a B school, and, and we also do lots of conferences. So we, we could probably talk for, without stopping for, I don't know, 100 hours <laughs> on this topic. And so we've, we've really just been asking, Father, how do we, how do we give you a taste that, that if we never see you again, what's been deposited will grow and grow and grow. I, I always believe that when we make a deposit, and, and we're depositing not just in you, but in the atmosphere in this part of Texas, the, it, his word never comes back void. So it, it's, it's going out no matter what. And so for us, it's, it's always... What is it that we're supposed to say when we're here? Because we can say lots of things and we can take up lots of time, but I don't want to just take up time. I want a deposit made in you. And, and even as we're speaking, your lives are changing. It's, it's not when we come up and lay hands on you. It's, it's you're just in the room and there's something changing on the inside. This morning, Les, Leslie just touched this verse and And in this world, you will have trouble. And, and often, particularly in the West, our, our Christianity is saying that if you say yes to Jesus, there is no trouble. You, you just get rich. You, you, your family's perfect. Everything's okay. There's no problems anymore. And, and that's just not true. I'm sure every one of us here has experienced trouble. In this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. And, and, and even like that phraseology, like that sentence, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world, says Jesus, but what about me? <laughs> good for you, Jesus. Like You overcame the world, but I, I still have real trouble in my real life. And, and Leslie, I mean, talked real candidly about real things going on in real lives, our life. We, we've had real trouble and, and a lot more trouble than, than we could ever tell you in this few days. But despite that, <laughs> there is not just peace but joy. And, and joy, biblical joy isn't, isn't we. <laughs> biblical joy is... is I'm rooted and grounded in truth. I'm rooted and grounded in who he is. I, I know who I am positionally. I'm a son of Almighty God. Therefore, I can live in such a way that's appropriate to who my father is. If, if your dad was, well, we'll just say the, the richest man in the world, <laughs> and you went into a, a car lot, to buy a car, 
and they 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 kind of gave you a hard time like what are you doing here like they, they didn't know who you were like who do you think you are to come in here and buy one of these nice cars you're maybe you should go away and and you might say something like do you know who my dad is <laughs> and they like and and maybe eventually you could show them a, a bank account or you could prove who you were but when you walked in you would have the confidence that i not only could i buy any car in this place i could buy the whole place in fact i could buy the whole company whether whatever the company is whether it's ferrari or lamborghini or what i like that i could buy the whole thing so so when you walk in you would walk in with assuredness that i can purchase any car i want right that you'd have that confidence and and in part you'd have confidence because of who your dad was what we're saying is that we can live in such a way i don't care who your dad is i don't care how much money he has my dad has more <laughs> your dad has more i mean your real father god almighty so so we actually what does it look like to live your life in a way that's appropriate to who your father is how do we live in a way that's in concordance with god almighty is my father <laughs> it's not about buying a car it's about it's about everything like do you know who you are when you walk into the building when you walk into the grocery store when you walk into the mercado when you walk in doesn't matter where you go when you walk in eternity walks in with you god almighty we we have these three chairs but this is this is like this compared to we have an ocean of love that dwells and lives within us god almighty lives within me like we we know that god weaves us together in our mother's womb right the bible says that in in the beginning god spoke everything into being he just spoke it out he said let there be light he he separated light from darkness he he hung the stars in the sky he he did all this stuff but then he came to man to you and me at the time adam he he pushed together the dirt the polvo <laughs> the angels were around they they had been created and they were looking and going what is he doing what the heck and 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 as it took form it had to very much reflect who he was cs lewis i don't know if you know the author but cs lewis he wrote that If you saw Adam and God walking side by side in the garden, you wouldn't be able to distinguish one from the other because it was such a perfect reflection of who he was. So God pushed man together and then he gets down on his knees and and it says in the Bible that God is spirit. So I don't know how all this works. But it says that God blew his spirit into man. and if if we looked at it it would be as if god kissed man into being and then how all this started from dirt i don't know <laughs> but it did 
You see, God formed man perfectly in his image. But he, God's smart, right? He's a, he's a thinker. He could have easily just, okay, from now on, biology makes man. <laughs> and and when, when two cells smash together, they create this zygote, which grows and becomes a fetus, which grows and becomes a baby, and it's delivered, and there's a biological process, and me, as being God, I can put that into being. But he didn't do that. I mean, Science would say that's what happens. But the Bible says that God himself weaves us together in our mother's womb. He doesn't leave it to chance. It's not an accident. He, he, he doesn't just say, I'm going to let biology do whatever biology does. And if cells smash together and babies come about, that's, that's their business. No, he's he's weaving us together in our mother's womb. But the question is, why? Why didn't he speak it into being? He spoke everything but us into being. All the animals, all the insects, even mosquitoes. I'm going to ask him one day. (laughs) Do we really need mosquitoes? (laughs) And the answer is because only God can create a space that he can dwell within. You see, we could build a building, a beautiful building, big building, the best building ever, ever built. And we can say, God, would you come and dwell in this building? And he'd be like, <laughs> I don't fit. I'm too big. But us, it's because he weaves us together and he can create a space within us that he can dwell. He dwells within us. Only he could do that. Biology can't do that. But God can. And so he weaves us together in his own image, but it just gives us, uh, do you know who your dad is? Confidence. It's not about buying a car. It's about God Almighty is my father. And what does it look like to live in a way that's appropriate to who your dad is? If your dad was the richest man in the world, there would come with that some responsibility. You, you might help the poor. You might, uh, there's lots of things you could do with that kind of resource. And, and there would be a certain responsibility that you would live in a way that's appropriate to the resource you have at your availability. Alexander the Great. Remember him? You've heard of him? He, he, he was conquering the world at, the, at one time. And, and he, he was riding and conquering. And, and you know, they were, they were looking for a town that they were going to pillage. <laughs> and so he asked the little boy on the side of the street and said, Hey, do you know where this town is? And he said, Yeah, yeah, just go over that hill. There's a big tree. Take a right. Then down over in the next valley, that's where it is. So they went and they conquered the town. And then Alexander the Great said to his squire, he said, we, we've got to go back and reward that boy. And, and so they went back and, and he gave his squire a, a bag of gold coins. And his squire said, no, 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 no. Just give him a copper coin. He's just a little kid. He'd, it'd be appropriate to give him a copper coin. That's too much even. 
And Alexander the Great said, I, I don't give in accordance with who he is. I give in accordance with who I am. Now, Alexander the Great thought he was God, and so it's not perfect. <laughs> but we, we give, we live in a way that's in accordance to who our father is. That's what a son looks like. That's what a daughter looks like. We're free. Finances. I want millions of dollars to roll through my hands. Not so that I can hang on to it. I, wa I want it to touch and keep going. You see, when we're a son, when we're a daughter, we feel free. We can, we can walk around with open hands. But it, it's not just money. It's, it's everything. Because, beloved, that's within us. So when you walk into the room, when you step into the room, your expectation is that there's nothing impossible that can happen right now. Right now, anything can happen. I can't make it happen. I can't, I can't manage God into making things happen that I want to happen. But as I walk with him as a son, I start to hear his voice. And I just want to look in, in Isaiah 62, and I'm just going to read this passage quickly just to kind of put a stamp on this, and then we'll kind of get into some parallel stuff. You, it says, your name, you shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. You see, he's going to call you a specific name. It, it says in Revelation that he's going to put your name that only he knows on a white stone, with the mouth of the Lord will name, you shall also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. It, it says that we are to expel glory in his hand. We're, we're in his reality, in his, his kingdom. He, he holds us in his hand. He goes, oh, this is my son. This is my daughter. Look at him. He's amazing. It, it, and it, it likens it to like, like a diamond, the most beautiful, shiny thing there is, hard, but, but also a crown of glory for God himself. We are his inheritance. <laughs> like what gives God almighty joy is you. <laughs> the one who spoke everything into being that is, except for us, he goes, no, 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 I'm not just gonna speak them into being. I'm going to get my hands dirty because I want them to be perfect. And sometimes we look at someone and we go, in the mirror, we go, I'm not perfect. I wish I, wish I was different. <laughs> he made you perfect. Perfect. He, he, he would have made you otherwise if he didn't think you were perfect. And, and we, we, we look around the room, we all look a little different. I mean, there's some similarities, but we're all different. Because we're, we're beginning to express the fullness of who he is as we're grown up to be the fullness of the body, the, the bride of Christ. It goes on. It just gets better. <laughs> For you shall no longer be termed forsaken, nor shall your land anymore be termed desolate, because you shall be called Hepsva, which literally means the Lord's delight. 
like, like it says your, your name, who he calls you is my delight. I delight in you. This is God. The guy who spoke, hung the stars in the sky, he calls you his delight. I mean, we could just stop there and, and lay down on the ground and go, oh my gosh, God Almighty thinks I'm delightful. If you ever look in the mirror and you don't like what you like, you need to turn around a couple times and go, Father, give me your eyes to see because I'm listening to the wrong tapes right now. And look again. <laughs> and and it, not in vanity, but in I'm a child of Almighty God and he delights in me just like this. You don't have to do anything to be more delighted in. And then he, he goes on, and, and your land shall be beula, which, which literally means, it goes on and says, for the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. He, he, in relationship with us, in delight in us, he wants to marry our land. He wants to be part of what we're doing. He, he's not a God that's far and distant, but he's one near at hand. He, he's right in our business. <laughs> I have so many things I want to share today, but... We'll see. Let's, let's look at 1 John. Not 1 John, but John 1. Kind of related, but... And we read these first two verses the other day. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Then it goes on, verse 3. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. So everything was made through Christ Jesus is what it says, and everything is held together by him, it says in Ephesians. Everything, everything was made through Christ. So again, it's let us make man in our image is, is what God said about us. And by God, I mean the Trinity. They said amongst each other, let's, let's make them in our image. And the literal translation is, let's make them little Elohims. Not capital Elohim, God, but little gods. The implications are mind-blowing. Like, we're, like, do you know who you are? <laughs> like, he made you in his image to carry him, <laughs> carry them. We don't have time today, but uh, we could go through John 14, and it very clearly says towards verse 22, 23, it says, we will come and make our home within you. Jesus talking about him and his father. And, and there's a lot of buildup before that, but we're coming and we're going to make a home within you. Jesus in John 17, he says, I never want to be apart from them. Dad, can I, can I just, wherever they are, I want to be also. <laughs> and then Jesus and the Father both say, we're, Jesus says both times, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask my dad if he would send the Holy Spirit so you're never alone. And the same time he says, and I'm going to ask my dad to send the Holy Spirit. So he, he makes it clear that the Holy Spirit one way or another is coming. So, so everybody's climbing in. <laughs> We got a party going on right here. <laughs> we got a party going on right here. It's, it's real though. Like when we, we all have bad days. We all have days when we don't think we're enough or we think we're too much or 
And if, if we can just sit back for a minute and just say, Papa, Papi, remind me who I am again, that I'm your son, that I'm your daughter, that you delight in me. I don't feel delighted in right now because of my circumstances around me. But there's a greater reality here Just trying to decide whether to talk about this real quickly. John, I just want to mention this. John 14, verse 27. Jesus says, and he's talking to the boys, and, and he's gone through this whole John 14. And, and he gets to this really culmination in his ministry. This is Jesus putting a huge stake in the ground. He says, peace I leave with you. And, and the translation isn't perfect, that which we have in most of our Bibles, but it literally says, your heart cannot be troubled, nor can it be afraid. So Jesus is talking to the boys. This is John 14, so he's getting ready to do John 17, talk to the Father, which is hours before he goes to the cross. So he's approaching the cross, and, he, and he's with the boys, and he, and he puts the stake in the ground forever and ever, and he says, peace I leave with you. Your hearts cannot be troubled, nor can they be afraid. But by peace, he, he, he's the prince of peace, but either Jesus is, is just a cruel liar, or he's talking about way more than we, we see at first glance. It, the boys are soon thereafter Jesus being murdered on the cross, die, rise again. After that, they're all persecuted. Every single one of them is martyred except for John, and he's put on an island. He's boiled in oil, but he doesn't die. <laughs> he sings. <laughs> and, and, and they go, we got to get him out of here. We can't have people boiling in oil and singing. Doesn't look good for what we're doing. <laughs> so they stuck him out in Patmos, out in an island, and said, you stay out there and... And he, had, he, he wrote some letters out there. So he actually ended up having way more influence than had they killed them. <laughs> Peace I leave with you. Your heart cannot be troubled nor can it be afraid. So Jesus wasn't just trying to make them feel good. Like think happy thoughts. Bad things are coming. But don't worry about the bad things. Be of good cheer. <laughs> As they're cutting you in half. As they're hanging you upside down Peter. They, they all died horrible deaths. Peace I leave with you. And Jesus said, your heart can't. It, it's impossible that your heart be troubled or afraid. What in the world was Jesus talking about? Remember Stephen. Paul was there at the time. It says Paul was holding the, the garments of those who were stoning Stephen to death. So they didn't get blood all over them. It's like, here, I'll, I'll hold your stuff while you murder this guy. I mean, that was Saul. <laughs> but the conversion of Saul to Paul is, is stunning. Doesn't matter what we've done in our past. As, as Christ comes, he, he refreshes, he restores, he renews. We become one with him. We, we become something that never has been before. And so, so Paul is holding these garments while these people are murdering Stephen. 
if, if people come for you, you do one of two things. You, you fight or you run. Stephen did neither. He took it. And not only did he take it, but he said, don't hold this against him. As he was dying, he looked up and he saw Jesus standing next to the Father. And he, he said to them, please, don't hold this against them. Your heart cannot be troubled. It cannot be afraid. What Jesus was saying, he was putting a stake in the ground. He said, everything's about to change. You see, you've been walking with me. He's talking to the disciples. You've been walking with me in relationship. You've been looking at me having a relationship with the Father. You know that I, in and of myself, I can do nothing. I can only do that which the Father does. I only say what he says, the way that he says it. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So he's, he's in this reality with the Father, but he goes, it's so much better than that. You've, you've gleaned because you've been around me, but now it's all gonna change. He could stick the stake in the ground and say, from now, on and he meant right after the cross from now on your hearts cannot be troubled they cannot be afraid it doesn't matter what they do to the outside of you Stephen is an example of that Stephen could take the pain he had grace he had peace his heart wasn't troubled it wasn't afraid he knew where he was going you see what Jesus was saying is we're moving in the reality of eternity is going to be on the inside. Who you really are is the inside of you, your heart. It doesn't matter what somebody says about you. If they say you're fat, you're ugly, you're, you have funny hair, whatever they say, who cares? And if they come for you with stones, again, who cares? They can't touch you. They can't touch the real you where we dwell and live, where you have your being, the eternity part of you is untouchable. So let them come. Let them say whatever they want. It, 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 that sounds crass, but the reality is Jesus was saying, peace I leave with you. Your heart no longer is going to be able to be afraid. Your heart is no longer going to be able to be in, in fear because we're coming in. That's the culmination of John 14, he's, he's going, <laughs> you've experienced some stuff with me, but now I'm climbing in. <laughs> and my dad's coming, and the Holy Spirit's coming. We're going to have a party. <laughs> so go back to John 1. I mean, some of these things are just foundational. And, and, and if we don't think about them, if we don't see them, we can't believe them. And if we don't believe them, we can't live it. Often we're told that the Christian life is, is an overcoming life. It's from glory to glory. It's, yes, but why? Why is it that our hearts aren't troubled and not afraid. If we don't know the why, if we don't know that God moves in, if we don't know that he's loving us all the time, he's pouring himself into us and he's converting, changing us into his image so that we walk in his nature and his character, 
If we don't know that and we just think, I said a prayer and so I've got to think good thoughts now. (laughs) That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is supernatural. The Christian life is, is living with God inside of us. Not just God, eternity. When you walk into any room, anywhere, God walks in with you. So your expectation can be that anything is possible. Not because of you, but because of the light that shines from within you. And we're, we're going to get there now. Verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. It is only because there is life in Logos, or in Christ, that there is life in anything at all. Life does not exist in its own right. It doesn't come by or through him, but it is him. Christ is this this life and this light. He's the light of all men. We'll read the next verse. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. And and really, this this word is is in conflict with it at all times. What what the, the Bible is trying to tell us is that because we carry eternity within us, that we're in conflict with darkness all the time. When you step into a room and you start shining in the room, let's turn out all the lights and I'll light a lighter. Everyone's gonna know where I am, right? You'll you'll probably be able to see a little bit if I light two lighters or if I have four lighters, you'll get more and more, but that light is fighting the darkness. The darkness can't turn out the lights. So when you step into a room, there's immediate conflict. But our expectation should be is that darkness has to go. Right? Life is the source of the light. The light is a gift or or a force outside the human condition that confronts the world. There's this reality that is within us, that is, is beaming out from within. That, and we're, we're going to look at a whole bunch of, of examples of this. But, but Jesus, the life bringer, he was the life bearer. He, he carries life and light within himself. And now, beloved, he lives within us, which implies that we carry light and life within us. It just keeps getting better and better. Hang on. <laughs> John 5, 26. It says, for as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. So the Father, the one that spoke everything into being that was, he has given his Son this, this life, this reality that, that now is within us because we got, we got a... Double portion of it. We've got the Father and the Son that are life bearers. They, they carry this, this stuff and, and, and it's called, the Bible calls it life. Psalm 36, 9. For with you is the fountain of life. 
And it's, it's, it's a psalmist speaking about who God is. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. <coughs> In your light, we see light. So the Father, he, he, he's what in, what's illuminating the earth. He's what's illuminating everything. Without him, there would be no light. And he's the source of this life. In John 8, 12, and this is speaking of Jesus, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I, me, Jesus, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So what, what Jesus is saying, this is so important. I am the light of the world. Jesus is implying that there is darkness in the world because if there's light, there has to be the contrast. So he's saying, in this dark world, I am the light. And if you follow me, so if you say yes, if you come into my kingdom, if you're, you're, you're extracted from the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of the son of his love, then... You begin to emanate this life. You come into life and life itself gives light. I'm belaboring this because we're going to go somewhere. So I'm laying just a, a long foundation in all this. If you follow me, or he who follows me, shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The stuff that God gave his son, Jesus, the, the life, now that, that Jesus is the light of all men, that reality shines out from within us. Beloved, it's, it's not that our dad is the richest man in the world and we can buy any car we want. It's that God, the creator of everything that exists, is our father. So what does life look like? If that's true, it is true. The light of all men, life itself is emanating from our being. We don't even have the capacity, according to Jesus, to be afraid anymore. Something else in us does, but we, the truest part of us, it's impossible that we be afraid. Peace, the prince, he lives here. Does that mean you don't have bad days? You don't question things? Of course, we all do. But we also, we can turn to Father and say, Father, I, I, I need help. Come and comfort me. I, that light that you talk about, I, I don't feel it right now. I need, I need you. David, <laughs> you didn't talk about Psalm 131, did you? You did? That, that reality of, of Psalm 131, David, the, the mightiest warrior. I mean, we have Michelangelo's, at least part of what he, he sculpted out. David had to be just, I mean, he was, he was captain of the army. He was lead dancer, head musician, head designer of, of architecture. He, 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 he led the priesthood. I mean, he did it all, and, and he, he still killed lions and bears with his bare hands. He, he would go into a company of people and wipe them out with, a, with, with just a piece of bone. 
I mean, David wasn't to be messed with, but David, he said, all this is too much for me. All this responsibility, it's above my pay grade. I, I can't figure all this out. And what he did and what Leslie explained is that he would crawl up into Papa's lap and say, comfort me. I, I can't figure all this stuff out. It's too much. It's too big. I'm just a little boy. I just need love. I need comfort. And so probably the prototype of the, the most masculine man other than probably Adam, the only person in the whole Bible that says he had a heart after God's own, only one that it says that about, and we know, yeah, he, he, had, some, he had some stuff. We're not, we're not even going to talk about that today. Not to ignore it, but we acknowledge it, but he, this one who ran earth as we knew it, at least as far as God was concerned, he, the only way he could deal with his life was he would crawl up into Papa's lap and he would be like a little child and just be comforted. And it was from that place that he led. It wasn't from his strength. It wasn't from his might. It was from the spirit. He would just crawl up in Papa's lap and go, Daddy, I'm scared. It feels like too big. You're asking me to build a tabernacle. I don't, I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, you gave me some plans, but I, I, I'm not an architect. <laughs> this feels too big for me right now. And he would just curl up into Papa's lap and be comforted, be soothed, be loved. He delights in you. He's delighting in you. He's loving you right now. Where we're going is so good. So hang on. Let's look in Matthew 5. And again, a lot of this, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to lay a foundation for where we're headed. So it's, it's important that we look at all this. Matthew 5, and I mean, just even the beginning of this, this is God. <laughs> verse, chapter, verse 1, chapter 5. It says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And so Jesus goes up into a mountain, and, and, and in other places it says, Jesus went up into the mountains, as was his custom, to, to pray, to be with his Father to be comforted, to be loved as a man. And, and then it says, and then he, God, fully man, fully God, opened his mouth and he began to teach, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He, he goes into the Beatitudes. And when he finishes that, he, he gets into verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how can it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to throw out and be trampled underfoot by man. Well, salt can't lose its saltiness. <laughs> you can't desalt salt. Salt is NACL. <laughs> it's, it's two molecules put together. You can't take one of them and it still be salt. Salt is always going to be salty. 
So in part, what he's saying is you, you can't do anything but be what you are. But if you could, if you could take eternity outside of you, you, would be, you wouldn't be who you are. We'll keep going. And then he, then he gives this beautiful example, verse 14. You, and he's speaking to a community of people. You are the salt of, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So what he's saying is, you, the community, the people of God, when you come together, individually we carry light. But when we gather, we're like a light on a hill. What does a light on a hill say to people who are in darkness? There's a place. There's a people. And, and, and if there's light, there's probably hope. And if there's hope, there's probably peace. And if there's peace, there's probably comfort and love and provision and, and all the things that we need. And so what he's saying is you, the body of Christ, who you are, you are to shine. You're, you're not supposed to be incognito in the culture. You're not supposed to hide. You're supposed to be so shiny that people just go, whoa, these shiny people around here. Tell me about that shininess. We're not supposed to be hidden. We're supposed to be so brilliant that people come seeking comfort, come seeking love. The church, feminine, the church is to be this this receptacle for all those who have no hope, all those who are without, all those who are longing for something. We're to, we're to take them in and, and as a womb, we're to feed them, we're to comfort them, we're to love them. That's what church is. It has nothing to do with you guys. I mean, we think we come here because we want stuff. We're supposed to bring stuff. Light. We, 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 we gather during the week when we walk with Papa and, and, and then we come together and we, we are a people that's a light on a hill where we're inviting all those who are in the darkness, all those who are scared. Peace, I leave with you. Your heart can't be scared. We're not scared. They are. When, when the stuff on the news, when there's, there's pandemics, all the stuff, everyone's, ah, where's the light? Oh, look, there's light over there. Maybe they know something. Let your light so shine before men that they may see. <laughs> you see, they're supposed to see us. We're supposed to be so different from the darkness that they can't help but recognize who we are. Oh, beloved, and I'll tell you a couple stories, but I have hundreds of stories where people are recognizing the light and they're going, tell me. Tell me about the light. I don't know light. But you're shining. Tell me, tell me about that. We're, we're supposed to be so shiny that people are drawn to us. And it goes on and it says that they may see your good works.
part of, part of who we are as a body, the body of Christ, I'm not speaking about this church, I'm speaking about the church, is, is we're to do good works. Like, just look at, I've, I've said a couple times, you can do everything Jesus can do, right? If, if it says it about Jesus, it says it about you because we are co-heirs with Christ. We're seated with Christ. We're, we're clothed with Christ. We're a new creation in Christ. We are, we are with him and we have the same relationship that he has with the Father. So if he can do it, we can do it. Acts 13 and, and verse 22 No, I'm lying. <laughs> I'm not lying, I'm deceived. <laughs> Acts 10, 38. And it was a 30, it's the same place in the page of my Bible. This is speaking about Jesus. God anointed Christ Jesus of Nazareth. So God anointed Jesus. What, how did he anoint him as a man? He anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. So Jesus was filled with the Spirit. The, the, the dove lighted upon him. It came, the Spirit came upon him. So Father anointed him with power and the Holy Spirit. So he, he had power from the Father and he had one of the Trinity as part of his life as he walked along on the earth. And then it goes on. And, and went about doing good works. So Jesus was anointed with power and the Spirit in part to do good works. Like he was out in the community probably fixing tables, fixing chairs. When he was 12, he thought he was going to go get in dad's business. He was like, oh, I'm, 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 I'm joining the, the family business now. And, and, and suddenly his parents, mom, dad, they came and said, son, where have you been? Come home, let's go. And Jesus, God, <laughs> submitted to Mary and Joseph and for the next 18 years didn't go back to the synagogue. You see, he, he was beginning to work in his father's business. He was beginning to interact with the priests. He was, he was, his wisdom was stunning them. And then mom said, come home. And he said, oh, all right. You, you can't see this. So I'm going to honor you. I'm going to love you. And I'm going to follow you home. And I'm not going to start for another 18 years. Talk about divine delay. Like Jesus pushed pause for 18 years. God. And we get mad for a couple of days. But when he came into public ministry, the father said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And he released the Holy Spirit upon him. And then he, he was led into the desert where he met the devil. And Leslie mentioned this the other day, but the very first thing the devil says to him is, if you're a son, throw yourself off this cliff. Come on. Oh, there's angels, right? If you're... Son of God. No, no, it, you, you look hungry. A little fasting. <laughs> turn, turn these stones into bread. Son. 
like immediately this mocking spirit came, the devil, and began to mock his sonship. But Jesus knew who he was. He wasn't afraid. He's like, no. Squinklies, get out of here. <laughs> That's what my dad says. But, so he was anointed to do good works and, and healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. We, we think of Jesus' ministry as just being about doing signs, wonders, and miracles. A lot of it was teaching and a lot of it was doing good. Just doing, being a good neighbor. I imagine Jesus had a reputation as being a very good neighbor. Just doing the simple things. You see somebody on the side of the road and you pull over and you help them change your tire. I mean, it's, it's the simple things that open massive doors. Little acts of kindness <laughs> change the earth. We'll keep going. Let's, let's go to Philippians chapter 2. So fun having two hands. I usually only have one. We'll just start right, chapter 2, verse 1. It says, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. So Paul, Paul is speaking to this church in Philippi, and he's, he's encouraging them. He's beginning to speak to them as a body, as, as a people. And, and we're going to see in a minute, he's not speaking to individuals, but oftentimes some of these passages are interpreted as he's speaking to one, one believer. He's speaking to a family. He's speaking to gente con propósito. He, he, he's speaking to the family. He's not speaking to a person. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only out for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. He's saying you can have and live from the mind of Christ. We, we have the faith of Christ. We have the righteousness of Christ. And, and we've spoken a little bit about that, but there's, we can't add a single drop to the righteousness of Christ in ourselves. I, Leonard, I'm as righteous as I can ever be. It doesn't matter how many people I raise from the dead. It, none of the, if I pray, if I fast, if I, if I run around the world and tell people that Jesus loves them, I don't get any more righteousness. I'm as righteous as I'm ever gonna be, and I'm equally righteous to you. Like we are the righteousness of Christ in God. We're his righteousness. His faith. It's not our faith. We don't stir up our faith. We have the faith of Christ. 
not faith in Christ. Some of these, these little pronouns and little words, they're, they're misinterpreted and we build a whole theology on having faith in Christ. But it's not faith in him, it's faith of him. It's his faith that we live in. It's not mine, I don't, I don't have any faith. <laughs> I have his faith though. So he's building this case, let his mind be, he, he's talking about how do we live a life like Christ in, in humility, preferring the other, in, in meekness. And, and I believe we've talked about this in, in the garden and, and sometimes I forget where I've said what, but <laughs> Jesus said, I am when they came to get him in the garden. And, and you know, Peter got a little funky and swing his sword. He, that was kind of Peter. Jesus fixed it. Peter. Sorry. <laughs> and then they said, here I am. You can have me. You can't take me. But I'll give you me. For the joy set before me, for them, for us. You see, I've already said it. <laughs> Peace I leave with you. Your, your hearts can't be troubled, nor can it be afraid. I've already put the stake in the ground. That's true. Even though I haven't gone to the cross yet, but I'm going to let you take me to the cross. Because a perfect lamb has to be sacrificed on behalf of all mankind. Because the Father loves us so much. He so loved the world, the people of the earth, his kids, that he sent his son to reconcile kids to himself. It says even on the cross that the Father was reconciling us to him. While Jesus was hung on the cross, the Father in the midst of that was reconciling us to himself. He was, he was paying the price so that he could have us fully. We were always his, but he was buying us back with the blood of Christ. We'll, we'll skip down. This, this is like a hymn to Christ. It's this, we can have the same attitude. We can live like Christ. We can live in that humility. We can prefer our brother over ourselves. We, he's building a case. And then he, he gets to verse 12. And he starts with, therefore, my beloved. He says, man, I love you guys so much. You, you're so important to me. I'm loving you. I, 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 I wish I could be with you. I can't always get there, but let me share my heart. But first, before I do, I want you to know that I love you. Like, that's the position that he's, he's speaking from. As you have always obeyed, not, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. And then he says this phrase, and, and many of us have taken this or heard this preached in other places, and it feels... It feels very one-sided, and, and we'll, we'll talk through that, but I'll just read it. It says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And, and the, the slant that I've heard it preached is there's this, this sanctification process that we've got to come into agreement with. And part of it is we've got some work to do. And so we've got to work on ourselves. We've got to pull up our bootstraps. And God is God Almighty. He's awesome. And he's fearful. You should tremble in his presence. 
So as we approach God, we should be a little bit scared because we're not always going to get it right, but we need to start working on our salvation. <laughs> and and we, can, we can paint the picture where if you don't do that right, there might be some consequences for you. Does that sound like the same loving father we've been talking about all week? <laughs> now, what we've got to understand is that Paul is talking to a people. He's talking to a community, a family. And he's not talking just to an individual. You need to work out your salvation. He's saying, oh man, I love you guys. And, and, and even this verse, it's mistranslated. It, it, with fear and trembling, the, the right words would be with humility and weakness. That's probably, Greek-wise, it's a much better translation. You see, people who have translated our Bibles, they've had political reasons for some of the words they've used. But this, the true nature of this verse is, it, it's an ethical text. How then shall we live? Given everything that, that Paul has just said, because he starts with, therefore, my beloved, what is the therefore of therefore? We look ahead of it. The therefore is there because of Christ and what he's done, how he's lived his life. So the therefore is there so that we can come into this beloved relationship that Paul has, but he's saying, in Christ, you can walk this thing out in humility and weakness. There's no other way, actually. And then, then he begins, and this is where it just gets so fun. Let, let me just read this to you from the Passion Translation. We'll start in verse, verse 12. It says, My beloved ones, just like you've always listened to everything I have taught you in the past, I'm asking you now to keep following my instructions as though I was right there with you. Now you must continue to make this life fully manifest as you live in the holy awe of God which brings you trembling into his presence. And, and this, is, this is the piece that I, I just love this. It says, God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to do what pleases him. God will continually revitalize you, putting within you, implanting within you the passion to do what makes him happy. <laughs> So we're, we're going to look at this. this. This passage, when I saw it, I, I saw it probably two, two and a half years ago. And it was just dropped into my spirit. And I was, I was stunned because I had been taught this verse a different way. Work out your salvation. I, I thought it meant I needed to get to work. It means I needed to do stuff. It means I had to make him pleased because if I didn't, I should be full of fear and trembling because he might get mad. <laughs> And so, <laughs> I'm trying to work out my salvation. <laughs> That's not at all what this is saying. Now Paul jumps into, in humility and weakness, do this. <laughs> For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Let me, let me paraphrase this for you. God himself pour his love into you. And when he pours his love into you, two things happen. He gives you the motivation and the ability to do what makes him happy. 
Now, if I, if I had a pill, and maybe not everyone would take this pill, but if I had a pill and you took it, it made you motivated and gave you the ability to work out early in the morning and eat clean food all day, every day. And, you, and your, your, your organism, your body would be perfect. If I had that pill, who would want that? <laughs> like we all would. <laughs> and it's not about our body, but it's God. This is so much better. God gives us the motivation and ability to do what makes him happy. The only way you can work out your salvation is that God works in you. And how does he work in you? This is where it's stunning. He gives you everything you need, the motivation and the ability to do what makes him happy. Like you don't have to work it out. You don't have to figure it out. It's him in you. I, I don't know how you came into the Christian life. I came in a little weird, but but I picked up stuff along the way. And a lot of that stuff made me think that I had to do enough to make him happy enough. But the truth is, is he does enough <laughs> so that I'm motivated and I have the ability to do everything that makes him happy. It's not dependent upon me. The only thing that's dependent upon me is receiving that love. How do I work out my salvation? I allow him to work in me. How does he work in me? He pours his love into my heart. What does that do? It's stuff. It takes up space. I think first and foremost, it starts to heal the broken stuff. The broken places, the forgotten places. Love goes into the lowest places. But then it, it continues to build up. Eventually, w w sonship, I believe, is this. Is that we're walking in, in the reality of being poured into by God Almighty and giving us the motivation, the ability to do everything that makes him happy. And we begin to live from this overflow reality. It's not me. I, I don't have to pull something out of me to make you happy or to make him happy. I'm just a kid. I'm, I'm his son. And as a son, I get to walk around and I just get to say, yes, Papa. Just like David, the prototype of the perfect man. <laughs> How did he do it? He crawled up into Papa's lap and said, comfort me. Nourish me. Feed me. Love me. Why would it be any different for us? And so Paul, he's, he's showing us that how we work it out is he works in us. And this, just the fact that he gives us the motivation and the ability. Like, it's, it's the opposite of how I understood Christianity. I thought I had to do something. I was motivated by, by those who were walking to their perdition, those who were walking towards eternal fire and death without God. And so I was stirred on the inside, like, oh, yeah, I, I got this amazing gift of, of eternal life. I, I, I want to help. I don't want everyone to burn. I, yeah, what can I do? <laughs> And once you step over that line, there's no end. But what if it was that easy that we just go, Papa, 
I'm just a little boy. I'm just a little girl that needs to be loved. Pour your love into me. And as you're pouring love into me, everything that makes you happy is in me now. I have the motivation and the ability to do everything that this vessel carries to make you happy. Peace I leave with you. That's peace. Like I don't, I don't have to win, earn, do anything. It's just him. It, it's either all him or all me. You choose. I'm, I'm going with him. It gets better. Verse fourteen: Do all things without complaining and disputing. There's some grumbling going on in the community. And, and Paul addresses it. And, and essentially what he says is trust God. <laughs> like if you're grumbling and complaining about your leadership, it means ultimately you're not trusting God. But short term, you're not trusting them. You've lost confidence in them. You're, you've lost trust in them. You, you don't think they have your well-being in mind and so you start to grumble. But if you really look at that, what's really wrong is you don't trust God for placing kings in your life. God, it says, the Bible says that he, he places kings in their place and he tears them down. So either God put them there or he didn't. And so if God put them there, you need to trust him. Jesus went to the cross trusting his father. 100% trust. Father, if it be your will, take this cup from me. It hurts. I'm, ble- I'm crying blood right now. <laughs> it hurts. The, the sin of the earth is upon me. It hurts. <laughs> they're they're going to scourge me. Le- Leslie talked about, they, they would literally tear the flesh off until your, your intestines would fall out. There'd be no, no flesh on your bones. It would just rip you apart. And that was just the beginning. Jesus totally trusted his father. What, what Paul is alluding to, he said, you just gotta trust God. You gotta stop grumbling. You, you've gotta believe that he has placed, and, and I'm not talking about sin, I'm not t- but in general, we've gotta trust what God is doing. He places kings and he tears down kings. Now it gets good again. <laughs> that you may become blameless and harmless or, or pure of heart children of God without fault. That you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault. And here he's talking about, he's not saying you have to be perfect. <laughs> what he's saying is that you're in the process of getting better and better. You're in a process with God. He's giving you the motivation and the ability to become like him. He's beginning to walk with you. And so he, you become these children and, and you're becoming like him because he's putting himself in you. And then it gets even better. He says, so you become these blameless and harmless, pure of heart children. It's, it's a process. He's working on it. He's not looking for perfect. He doesn't want you to be perfect to do the stuff. And then it says, so that he can place you in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you will shine as the lights in the world. Remember what we began with. 
You see, God is going to, he's going to pour himself into you. He's going to give you the motivation and the ability to become like him, do everything that pleases him. Then when you, when you submit to him, then he's going to take you, albeit that you're not perfect yet. Even while we're still kind of messy. And he's going to place us in the middle of a dark and perverse generation so that we can shine like the sun. Even though you're not perfect. He says, I, I want my kids to be shiny. I want my kids to shine like the sun. I, 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 I don't care that they're not perfect. I'm doing the work. I'm... I'm working in them so that they can work it out. And as I work in them, they're beginning to shine in the darkest places. Does anyone know of a dark and perverse generation anywhere? <laughs> like, where would I find that? His desire is to place you in the middle of that. The reason you're here and in, in where you are is because he wants you to shine right here. Wherever you're working, wherever you get gas, wherever you go to the, the, the grocery store, he wants you to shine in that place. Leslie and I had come back from New Zealand. We were jet lagged. We were tired. We, we you know, have anyone been jet lagged? You know what I mean? If you don't know what I mean, it's your body is 18 hours ahead of you <laughs> or behind you. You're, you're just, you want to sleep when you're not supposed to sleep because your body's at a different time zone. So, and we had to turn around. We had to go to San Francisco like two days later or a day later. So we're, we're home. We're jet lagged to death. It's, we landed at 6 a.m. And, and the goal is to stay awake till like 7 o'clock. <laughs> You just have to fight it. it. It's horrible. It's painful. Your head's buzzing. Your everything feels bad. And so we're we're in a house. We're unpacking. We're doing laundry because we got to turn our laundry around and and go out the next day. And and so we're in the midst of all that. And I'm falling asleep. I'm like, babe, we gotta we gotta do something about this because I'm I'm not gonna make it. Like, and if you don't make it, it just makes everything worse. It just compounds it. So it's, it just makes your next days even worse. And we had to go in another time zone and begin to teach in two days. So I'm like, we have to stay awake. Let's go to a mall. And she's like, I don't want to go to a mall. I'm like, I've never fallen asleep in the mall. Let's just go do laps. And so it's like middle of the afternoon. So we go to the mall and we, we, we're doing laps. And, and I said, let's, let's, go, let's go into this fancy women's store. That's what I call it. Had another name, but. <laughs> and she's like, no, I don't want to spend any money. And I'm like, no, no, let's just go to the fancy women's store. And I traveled for years without her. And when I'd come home, instead of buying her like a gift in some airport somewhere, I would then when I got home, I said, let's, let's go buy something you like. And so we'd go to this fancy women's store. It would be one of, one of the places we could go to. And so I'm like, let's go to the fancy woman's store. And she's like, no, no, I'm not going to any fancy woman's store. I don't want to go. I'm like, ah, oh, come on, let's go. And so we went. <laughs> and and there was there was a threshold to, of the store. As soon as I stepped into the store, I began to weep. When I begin to weep, I, it's usually a sign 
that the Holy Spirit's working in me. And, and I've wept for years, and I usually weep a lot more than I have this week, but anyway. <laughs> and I look across the store, and there's this woman that we called Trinity. She worked there. And, and I looked at Trinity, and she looked at me, and she spun on her heels, and she took off running. And I'm like, that's weird, because she gets a commission. So she she usually finds us when we're in the store. We we, It's not like we were regularly there, but we'd been there a couple times. We knew her. We'd talked to her a couple times. We'd talked about God, and you know we'd had longer conversations with her. So it was weird to me that she spun and took off, but I'm just, I'm weeping, but I'm like bawling now. And and so Leslie is kind of used to that. And so we, we we're shopping, <laughs> and she's like, what do you think? Do you like this? I'm like, <laughs> and so we're, we're going along. And, and you know, it's a fancy women's store, so there's fancy women in there, and they're like, ooh, because <laughs> there's, a woman who's shopping with a man following her crying. It probably looks weird. <laughs> so, so she's like, you like this? <laughs> and I don't know what people were thinking, and I don't really care, but it probably looked really weird. So finally she picked out a, a shirt, and we go over to check out, and and this girl's checking out, and so Leslie's standing here, and I'm like right over her shoulder. <laughs> and the, the woman is like, <laughs> she's trying not to look at me, but she can't wa not want to look at me. She wants to figure out why I'm crying and why I'm with this lady and why the lady's letting me stand there and cry. And like, I, I don't know what the story she had to be telling herself, but it wasn't a good one because she was like, like, she's just trying not to look at us. And so she's she's doing the transaction, and I'm... <gasps> and and then, then Trinity walked back in. So it had been like 20-plus minutes, and Trinity comes back in. And as soon as I see Trinity, I've been crying now for, I don't know, 20 minutes, maybe a little bit more. And I see her, and I go, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> he who is in the world is greater than you. Or he, greater than he who is in, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. <laughs> it was him then, it was, that was me. <laughs> and and I, I just begin to roar over her, like something in me just roared, and I'm, I'm going, Rah! and the lady who was doing the transaction, she was like, <laughs> she like couldn't take the roaring. She was like out of there. And, and so Trinity took over, but she's crying now. And she's like trying to figure this thing out. And, and Leslie's giving her, you know, the card and doing all the exchange. And she's crying. And I'm standing over the desk going, you don't know who you are. Oh, he loves you. He's loving you right now. And so I'm doing all this. And she's crying. And she finishes the transaction bag stamp. Get over here. And, and she comes over and, and we just lay hands on her, begin to pray. And, and I say, what happened? And she said, oh, as soon as you stepped in the building, they left. I said, what left? She goes, oh, these voices, they've been telling me for three days to kill myself. And they were relentless, day and night. They just kept telling me, kept telling me, and kept telling me. And then as soon as you stepped in the, in the room, they left. 
And I looked to see who it was, and it was you. And I started crying, and I didn't want you to see me crying. So I went and hid in the bathroom for 20 minutes, hoping you'd leave. <laughs> but they left. And so we, we prayed for her, Leslie, and her exchanged numbers. And she came over to our house the next day, and we, we prayed for her more. We ministered to her for like four or five hours. We made muffins and coffee and, and, and just settled her heart peace I leave with you but the reason I tell that story is because it, it was it was the light of all men stepped into the world I'm not pointing to me I'm pointing to he who dwells within me and darkness had to leave I never would have known that story if I didn't have a relationship with Trinity and I barely had one but I had enough of one that she the Lord worked it out so I could see it what had happened? I, all I did is step in the store. I was exhausted. I wasn't on a treasure hunt. I was trying to find, oh, let's get some ministry opportunities between gigs. Like, <laughs> I said it all what I was doing. I'm, I'm a holy man, but I'm not that holy. And I was just trying to stay awake, period. And, and, and I stepped into this reality where love leapt out of me and it destroyed darkness and darkness left. And I'm beginning to realize, and, and I can tell you lots of stories like that, and we're, we're beginning to accumulate these stories, but I think we are supposed to be accumulating these stories. When, when I finished there, we went, to, we went to Whole Foods, you know, to Whole Foods, a grocery store. And, and they have like this, because we only had a day, we weren't going to go grocery shopping and make food and then have to throw food away. We just went to, they have like a food bar, and you can you know, get some food, and and it's usually cleaner than some of the other food you could buy, like, wherever you would go. I won't, I won't say the name. <laughs> I'm not going to say H-E-B. <laughs> but as we walked into Whole Foods, I, I hadn't stopped weeping. And, and what the Father gave me was the ability to feel what other people were feeling. And I, I couldn't take it. And, and I would just, I would get attention on somebody and I would just, <gasps> like it, it just kept overwhelming me. We, we'd be driving down the street and you know the guys that stand on the corners and say, please help, anything will help, can you give me a little money? And I, and I, just, I just wailed. I was like, we've got we've to have cards to give them. We can't just drive. And I, I was just, I was undone for days. And I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't gain composure. And I didn't want to do anything but what he was doing. And, and, and yet it was so much, I couldn't take it. I couldn't take just feeling what the few people in a grocery store felt. I couldn't take what the people I was passing, like cars next to us, I could feel them and I was just wailing. And, and I, I didn't say this to the Lord, but I had this feeling, I can't, I can't, I don't know how you do this, Lord. I'm feeling a couple people, you're feeling the whole earth. And it was too much. It just felt like too much. How do you, how do I carry this? I, it's, too big for me. I, f I felt like David. I just like, Papa, Papi, I need your help. This is too much. And, and I remember when, when that started to dissipate 
And then I was like, where did you go? <laughs> like, come back. And not that he left, but in the way that he was manifesting and I could, I could feel what people felt. The very end of the passage, verse 16, it says, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have run, not run in vain or labored in vain. But the, the literal translation of this would be, I'm gonna give you words of eternal life. <laughs> when I place you into dark and perverse generations, I'm gonna put the words in your mouth. And the way that I'm gonna prepare you is that I'm gonna work in you and give you the motivation and the ability to do everything that makes me happy. And although you're not perfect, I'm still gonna place you in those dark places. And when I place you in those dark places, my expectation is that peace is within you, that love, life of all men, light of all men is shining out from you. And so as you go as shiny kids into the world, I'm not only going to give you the motivation, the will to do everything that makes me happy, but I'm going to actually give you the words of eternal life. Peter said to Jesus, when Jesus said, are you leaving too? Because Jesus said, eat my body, drink my blood, and everyone freaked out. <laughs> Let's get out of here. <laughs> And he said to Peter and the boys, are you, are you going to leave too? And Peter said, where else are we going to go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And what Paul's saying to these people, this family, this community, is that he's not only going to give you everything you need, but he's going to put the words in your mouth. The words of eternal life. Just like Jesus had. Oh my gosh. We don't even have to figure it out. All we have to do is step in the building. And the demons have to go. What I'm feeling, what I'm seeing in this revelation is that very much what Leslie was talking about this morning, there's, there's a big piece that's comfort. But from comfort, from, from love, I, I look at my grandson He's raised from birth. Leslie understood storge love. She she carried him for eighteen, nineteen months. His mom would go to the to the cafe and work, and Leslie would hold him all day and feed him, and she would just pour love into him. Then they stole him and went to Ireland with YWAM, <laughs> broke our hearts. <laughs> but then we got him for a couple more years in Colorado. And we just loved him and loved him and loved him. And, it, and he has zero problems with self-confidence. He has zero problems engaging the world. He has zero, all that stuff is just not a reality because he experiences love first and foremost. Beloved, when we, when we get into that place of comfort, when we, we are in the position, the posture of receiving love, we, we grow in confidence in who God is. We grow in confidence, not in myself, but in God in me. And then he says, now that you're doing that, now I'm gonna place you in the dark places and you're gonna begin to shine like, like the stars, says in Daniel. You're going to shine like the eternal stars. And I'm going to give you the words you need to say when you're there. So you don't even have to worry about that. 
This is where this is where this revelation is going. It's 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 not that we're gonna have this kumbaya for, for eternity and just sit in a beanbag chair in the corner somewhere and go um <laughs> I mean even that. You know how, how the New Age movement stole the, the, the rainbow from us. <laughs> but they also took aura. Remember Peter, when he walked by and his shadow was healing people? What, what was healing people? I, I would say it wasn't just the Holy Spirit. There was, there was light emanating from him. The literal translation is his aura went out from him. Like, beloved, you, you don't know who you are. When you step out in, stuff shoots out of you. Light shoots out. It changes the atmosphere. We, we don't believe it, so we don't see it. What if you believed it and began to just say, Father, show me what you're doing today. Shoot some light out of me. It's a biblical, I'm, I'm to be a shiny kid. A shiny child of God Almighty. If, if he's my dad, what does it look like for me to live appropriate to who he is? It's to be shiny. It's with the expectation that I, I see it in the scripture. I believe it. Now I'm stepping into it and it's becoming a reality everywhere I go. Why not me? Why not today? So we get to just step into this. Oh, beloved, love Love is the most destructive force on the planet. It is. It destroys anything that resists it. Love is what's taking over the earth. Not us. God is love. God's love is taking over the planet. 